scripture reading is Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 10. This is found in the Pew Bible on page 1111. The desert in the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocuses, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, and say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, and he will come to save you. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in the way. Wicked folks will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. Reverend Juanita Ramos informed us in her book, Learning to Be, Finding Your Center When the Bottom Falls Out, a book that chronicles her life from one of busyness that led to severe depression that eventually led to her healing. She reminds us how a distorted view of self and a distorted view of God can lead to busyness. Last Sunday, we talked about her distorted view of self. She thought that she was to be the Proverbs 31 woman, a woman who could do everything, care for family, run a successful nonprofit, co-pastor with her husband, the Reverend Rudy Ramos of St. John United Methodist Church in Texas, a church that was growing by leaps and bounds. She thought she could do everything, and she also thought that she was to be the perfect good girl. She was called to follow all of the rules. She also thought that God was a God who kept the record. God was always aware of and making sure that she followed the rules. And when she did not, too bad for her. Her distorted view of herself and of God led to a sense of busyness. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you she, that she treated busyness as though it was a spiritual discipline. Right. 
when she crashed, that's her language, when she experienced debilitating depression, she had to be still. And during her stillness, she discovered that busyness had become a distraction for her. In other words, she was so busy being busy that she was not able to discover her true self. She did not really know who she was. How many of you can say the same thing? You've been so busy, you have no idea who you really are, who God has created you to be. Do you know your true self? Or are you busy living out the scripts that others are giving to you to live out? She discovered that she needed to discover her true self because the busyness had taken her away from discovering who she really was. Her busyness prevented her from discovering who she really was. I strongly invite you, if you've not done so, to attend the class that's being held during the Sunday school hour, the class that focuses on busyness or hurriedness, led by uh, Mrs. Penny Krug and also being taught by Mrs. Barbara Van Wetzel. Let us pray. Loving and gracious Lord, our God, we get so caught up with the rhythm of the world. Even we, get, we even sometimes get caught up with the busyness of the church that we lose sight of who we are in Jesus Christ and who you're calling us to be in Jesus Christ and what you're calling us to do. And so please give us the longing and the desire to take the time to be still. And at the same time, reveal to us who we are individually and who we are called to be as the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. On the first Sunday of Advent, on November 27th, you were asked to pray for Troy because Troy was going to have major surgery. I just want to give you an updated report. I've been in communication with Troy's mother. Uh, the surgery was spanned over a two-day period with one day in between, so the first day there was surgery, the second day he rested, the body rested, the third day he had surgery. The report from his mother is that he is doing well, he's healing, his body needs to rest. I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for Troy and uh, for his family 
and thank you so very much. Well, the third Sunday of Advent is marked by the pink candle, the rose candle, and by now you know that the theme for today is you did not disappoint me. I was a bit concerned there. Thank you so very much. The theme for today is joy. Um, this is when we remember and we're reminded of the good news that shall be a great joy to all people. And that news is that Emmanuel is born, God with us, right? And we stand in the promise even today that God is with us. Just say that to yourself. God is with me. Now, that was a lip service. I want your heart and your mind to connect as you say it again. God is with me. God is with me. I don't know about you, but I find great joy in knowing that. So let's look at this particular text. Most scholars believe that this passage that was read to you from Isaiah, um, as well as chapter 34, is displaced from the section of the book of Isaiah called Second Isaiah. The scholars tell us that there are two Isaiahs, first Isaiah, second Isaiah, within the 66 chapters. The central image of this, of this oracle or of promise is that of the people's return through the wilderness, once again, in the land of promise. Now, I don't know about you, but the word that leaps out at me as I read Isaiah chapter 35 is reversals. When you go home tonight, reread Isaiah chapter 35 and just take note of the number of reversals that it lifts up. The journey of Exodus is repeated. Only this journey through the wilderness is begun with the picture of the wilderness. Remember, wilderness, dry, desert. This wilderness is blossoming and flourishing with life. That's a reversal. The wilderness is no longer a place of trial and testing, struggle and suffering. Instead, it is a place of joy and the revealing of the glory and majesty of God. This text in verses 3 and 4, look at the reversal. The weak are given strength, the fearful given courage, the feeble are made firm, and the coming of the Lord brings salvation. How can we not have joy when we look at these reversals? We cannot help but think of the many other reversals that are taking place. When you think about uh, Mary's song in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 55, we hear other reversals. This song is offered up to, this song is offered up by Mary during her visit with Elizabeth, after she's been told by Gabriel, the angel, that she will bear a son, that she has found favor with God and will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call him Jesus. Listen to the reversals that are taking place in this song as you look at chapter 1, verses 52 and 53 of Luke. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Do you see the reversals? Can you hear the reversals? 
in verses 5 and 6 say of Isaiah, these reversals border on the miraculous because the vision of this oracle promises the following, that those who are, and the language in the Bible is disabled. Today we know that um, that word is not necessarily used, but the word that is used is differently abled because there are people who are differently abled, who see whatever their ability is, the world may think it's a lack of ability, they see it as a way for them to live out their human experience. Even nature will participate in the great reversals of God's new age of delivery and hope. If you were to look at verses 6b and 7a, the wilderness, normally characterized as a parched and dry wilderness, again, becomes a place of water, pools and streams. Yes. God's coming signals a future for those who have given up in a state of hopelessness or have given up to a state of hopelessness and sorrow. And God, wilderness becomes not a journey of struggle, but a journey of hope. Now, we're, we're, we are very clear that this particular text was written to the, to the uh, people in exile. These are the Babylonian exiles. If you were to have read the first Isaiah, you will note that that captures the decisions, the poor decisions that Judah made when it came to alliances that it would have with other governments, alliances that did not prove to be profitable to Judah. And so now Judah finds itself in exile. And yet in the midst of this, there is this promise that the exiles will return to Zion with singing and joy. Zion is, is the holy mountain on which the temple stood, and yes, it's that same temple that the Babylonians reduced to rubble. But the final word of this verse is, again, here's that reversal, the sorrow and sighing of destruction and despair will flee away and will be replaced with everlasting joy. Yes. During this Advent season, during this third Sunday of Advent, we are reminded that the God who cares for the dry and barren lands, the dry and barren places also cares for you and that he also cares for me Offering a change to us. And also for those who are faint in heart and weak in knees. The presence of God provides courage. The presence of God provides hope. The presence of God provides strength for all who are timid and afraid. And I would just suggest to you today, Evangel Heights Church family and friends, there are many people and groups of people who are afraid. I would suggest to you today that there are followers of Jesus Christ who are afraid. But here's the good news. 
here's the good news. The presence of God through Jesus Christ, Emmanuel with us, provides us with courage and strength. And not only us, but also to our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers. The presence of God provides you and me, I will have to say it again, with courage and strength. Are you timid? Are you fearful? Don't look to yourself. Look to Emmanuel. God with us. Yes, there's a way from the barren and dry places to this new space and place that God has prepared for God's people. It's described as a highway in the desert. And the good news, and the good news is that as we look at Isaiah chapter 35, we are reminded once again that God excels in making a way out of no way. God is able to take whatever is barren and dry in your life and bring blossoms and riches and life into it. Yes. On this this third Sunday of Advent, where the focus is on joy. Remember, as the psalmist reminds us, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Why? Why? How? I will sing praises to my God all my life long, be hallelujah, because God is with us. Emmanuel. Yes, I know that there are hearts that are heavy today. I know that tears have fallen this past week. I know that bed pillows have been dampened by tears. I know that for some, the unimaginable has occurred. I know that death has crept into the homes of some. In the midst of all of that, I see all of that against the backdrop that God is with us, Emmanuel, and will continue to lead us on this journey, on this Lord's highway. The songwriter said, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds my hand. 
And so as we continue on this journey called Advent, as yes, we look back and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, and also as we on a daily basis expect to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way, as we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ, may we never forget that no matter what life presents us with, individually or corporately as the body of Jesus Christ called Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, may we never forget that the God of reversals is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.